Well, every blessing to you all. Welcome back to my open air pulpit. Zero degrees or Celsius for those that care to know. Misty and foggy behind me, but it is February, so what do you expect? It's been an interesting beginning to uh, 2020. Brexit finally arrived, praise the Lord for that. Uh, not long after Britain officially left the European Union, Donald Trump decided to announce to the world his deal of the century. But go back to the late 1990s when Bill Clinton was the American president and it was decided during his second term from memory towards the end of his second term to attempt to solve the Middle East crisis. Since the death of Rabin, Israel's premier, and I remember that very well, he was shot outside of Tel Aviv, uh, early 1990s, the American government, the European Union, the Russians and others decided to put the brakes on. It wasn't possible, they said, to bring peace to the Middle East, and therefore towards the end of Bill Clinton's second term in office, <coughs> he decided to have a crack at solving the Middle East. I remember watching the pictures of Clinton, Yasser Arafat, Barack at Camp David. A lot of messing around between Barack and Arafat. You go in first, no, you go in first, no, you go in first. And old Bill Clinton thought that was hilarious. And after many hours of talks, uh, we were told that the Israelis decided to offer the Palestinians 98% of their <coughs> demands. 98%, incredible. And yet Yasser Arafat was in close talks, was being advised by Mubarak, Hosni Mubarak. And of course, Mubarak was the former president of Egypt. What wasn't so well known at the time was how Yasser Arafat was born in Egypt not Jerusalem. His official biography would say he was born in Jerusalem, but of course he wasn't. He was born in Egypt, and therefore Mubarak was saying to Yasser Arafat, don't settle for the 98% offer from the Israelis, which is incredibly generous on behalf of the Jews. Hold out for 100%. You want to take complete control of Jerusalem, which was never going to happen, of course, and you want to be completely autonomous uh, which also isn't going to happen because the Palestinians would need help indefinitely from other world leaders. Well, those talks came and went at Camp David, like I say. Clinton thought he could uh, clinch the deal. He thought well, it's been several years since Rabin was shot dead. Talks had stalled for a period of time. At the time, Bill Clinton was a very popular American president. He was able to see out the Monica Lewinsky incident. And he said to himself this, well, I've got maybe two or three years left uh, during my second term. What do I have to lose? Every American president, when they hit their second term, decide to do whatever they want to do. They have nothing to lose. Well, of course, those talks came and went. Israeli premiers came and went. Barack offered probably more than he should have done to the Palestinians. It reminds me of, a, of uh, one of those accounts back in the Old Testament. It may have been Hezekiah when he was sick and had recovered from his illness, how a Gentile uh, king, one of his counterparts, went to visit him. And word got back to Isaiah <coughs> how this meeting had taken place and how the Israeli king 
had shown all his good, all his booty, all of his wealth, even inside of the temple, uh, to his uh, Gentile counterpart. And he was severely reprimanded for that. He had no right to do that. He was a Jewish king representing Jehovah. Israeli premiers, whether saved or unsaved, and most, if not all, are unsaved, are still indirectly representing Jehovah. So for Barak, late 1990s, to offer 98% of the demands to the Palestinians was, on the one hand, welcomed, applauded around the world, and yet, on the other hand, it was seen as a picture of betrayal, a picture of treachery. And many uh, Orthodox Jews in Israel at the time said, this won't fly, we can't wear it. We are bending over backwards once again to give up our land, our land, to the Palestinians, the Gentiles. We'll fast forward to uh, about five or six years ago, Pope Francis, the first Jesuit Pope, arrives and decides to also have a crack at sorting out peace in the Middle East. And he would invite Shimez, Shimon Peres, the late Israeli uh, president, to Rome. And he would also invite Abbas, the current Palestinian president, to Rome. And these three sat down, cameras were allowed to see this historical quote-unquote meeting. Many conversations were had, many conversations were enjoyed, many agreements or discussions about agreements took place. And the Pope said, let's all pray. Always interesting when you have a Catholic praying with a Jew and also a Muslim. Is it any wonder some of these fanatical fundamentalist Catholics who hold to the uh, Tridenti Mass go crazy when they see their Pope, their Holy Father, praying with a Jew lost, a Muslim lost. But of course, these are politicians, you understand. And after several hours at the Vatican, all sitting out in the Pope's uh, vast garden, nothing came of it. Go back to 2007, Tony Blair left office, had been Prime Minister for 10 years, and he said to George W. Bush, I want to, if it's possible, be given the job of the Middle East uh, Peace Coordinator, the Quartet, remember that some of you? And after leaving Downing Street, was it May or June? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> 2007, he wanted to, on the one hand, either go and be head of the UN or the EU. And of course, neither job would come his way. He was too high profile. Well, as he left Downing Street and resigned as uh, MP for Sedgefield, a press release was released saying how George W. Bush had appointed Tony Blair to be the Middle East Peace Envoy. I thought, here we go again. <laughs> Bill Clinton tried. He sent some of his top people over to uh, the Middle East to arrange talks, concerning talks. I think George Mitchell was sent to the Middle East. And of course, George Mitchell, you remember, was partly credited for the Northern Ireland peace agreements. Well, not long after leaving Downing Street, Tony Blair uh, was offered this much sought after position, went to the Middle East, met the Israeli Prime Minister, who at the time was Sharon, 
Ariola Sharon, one of their great uh, military <coughs> heroes, going back 20 or 30 years. Most Israeli premiers, Barak, another one, are uh, famous heroes seen as great warriors in Israel. And Tony Blair, who had just converted to Catholicism at that time, sat down with Sharon, sat down with Abbas, also would go to Moscow and speak to the Russian foreign minister, travelled all over Europe, uh, went back to the White House, sat down with George W. Bush. I mean, these are the best brains we have, apparently. Some of these guys are religious, most are not. And uh, Tony Blair said to George Bush, we can do a deal, I am confident. <laughs> these words always come back to haunt such politicians. And uh, uh, Bush said to Blair, well, let's uh, arrange a meeting with Sharon and Abbas. A meeting was arranged and uh, I can still remember the pictures in my mind. <coughs> You've got George Bush sitting with Sharon and Abbas. Blair is obviously in the picture somewhere. <coughs> Excuse me. And of course, uh, Sharon, like uh, Barack, bent over backwards to appease the Palestinians. Not long after that, he was struck down with a stroke. Going back to Hezekiah, look at my property, look what the Lord has given me. Look at the temple, look at the Ark of the Covenant, look at this, look at that. You don't allow strangers into your home. You go home, you lock your front door, you lock your back door. You don't allow strangers just to come into your property. And yet Hezekiah did it. Barak bent over backwards to give Yasser Arafat what he wanted. Yasser Arafat was born in Egypt, not Jerusalem. Yasser Arafat's great uncle was the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, who was responsible for the death of hundreds of Jews around 1920. That's been airbrushed out of history of course it's not popular to be reminded of such infamous history and all these politicians bending over backwards Barack Sharon Sharon suffered a stroke and of course nothing came of that meeting nothing came of the meeting with the papacy in Rome and then what was it uh, last week week before last breaking news Donald Trump is going to announce to the world his deal of the century. I've been following politics almost 30 years. I've seen these guys come and go. I've listened to these people over the years. Some of these guys have been to Harvard, Yale, Cambridge, Oxford, but, but it makes no difference. It makes no difference. Do you know something? If you could think of the most simplest man or woman in your town, in your village, in your community, who believes in the Bible, do you realize that man or woman with no college education, no university education, or little if any education, if they read the scriptures, such a person knows far more about the Middle East than any Israeli premier, British prime minister, American president, Middle Eastern leader. And this is why the Lord says he will confound the wise and he will take such people and turn their wisdom quote-unquote into foolishness so the pictures were beamed around the world week before last from the white house and i watched the 60 minutes almost 
live press conference. Donald Trump spoke for the longest, obviously. And as he was speaking, uh, Benjamin Yetanahu, probably Israel's most skilled premier, he knows Israeli politics inside out. He knows American politics inside out. He knows British politics inside out. He knows about biblical Christianity inside out, but he's a lost man. He's a good man in a sense, and he's to be prayed for as are all leaders. And I gave you three verses, a uh, video before last from the open air pulpit, showing how we are to pray for our leaders. Two of those passages came from Paul, one from Peter. But Benjamin, I don't think, really believes in the Old Testament. And during this 60-minute press conference, there were an assorted list of pastors present. And one of those present was John Hagee. And I thought to myself, why are these people present at the White House? Don't they realise what Trump, an unsaved Presbyterian, and Benjamin, an unsaved Jew, are going to try to do? Don't they realise they're going to carve up parts of Israel, they're going to offer East Jerusalem or parts of East Jerusalem to the Palestinians. These guys never learn, do they? Rabin lost his life. Sharon was struck down with a stroke and for the rest of his life was a vegetable in his hospital bed and he died, what, three or four years ago? Olmutz, another Israeli premier, was also trying to appease the Palestinians and he too was diagnosed with cancer. So I watched this press conference, Trump was saying this is the deal of all deals and he turned around to Benjamin and said to him I've given you Jerusalem. I thought no you haven't given him Jerusalem. Jehovah gave the Jews Jerusalem. It is pitiful isn't it when you watch Jewish leaders whether from the left or the right either with a Democratic or Republican president, working with the Gentiles. After the trip to the White House, Benjamin went to Moscow for talks with Vladimir Putin. One of the uh, main uh, pieces of the Old Testament, one of the main subjects from the Old Testament is separation, segregation. It's found in both Testaments, but for the Jew, it was imperative that he or she wouldn't be yoked up with unsaved Gentiles. So to watch Trump very much stroking his ego, enjoying all of, the all of the attention, wanting to be Mr. Fix-It, like Henry Kissinger was back in the 1970s and 80s, and Tony Blair thought he too could be Mr. Fix-It. To watch all these guys coming together after, what, three years of talks? And nothing comes from it was laughable. But it goes back to authority. What is your authority? Now when the Jew gets up, he says, well, we will give him the land from Jehovah, which of course they were. And I'll show you some verses shortly. But the world, like 95%, have no interest in the Bible. No interest in the Bible. And yet they will look to the Muslims, who have indirect uh, references in the Quran and the Hadith, and Islamic literature, uh, like Muhammad going to heaven, on a horse, and they don't, they don't uh, dismiss that. They don't question that, they accept that blindly, but when it comes to the scripture, they won't and don't accept it. So watching Benjamin, watching Donald, watching Bill Clinton, watching uh, Barack, even Rabin, early 1990s, was trying to do a deal or two with Arafat, 
uh, watching Sharon with Bush and uh, Perez and the Pope and all those guys all coming together it was pretty obvious to me that not one of those men not one of those men actually believes in the Old Testament or who even wrote the scripture once you close your eyes to the New Testament the final revelation of the Lord and from the Lord you are just as good as closed closed up blind in a room with no way out and yet go back to my statement from a few moments ago a typical woman a typical man with little or any education knows far more far more about Israel than any politician go to Genesis 28 Genesis 28 so it goes back to authority authority who is a Jew what is a Jew where does a Jew get his authority from can they have any uh, proof or can they cite any material can they go anywhere to demonstrate who they are where they have come from every American president going right back to maybe uh, Reagan has all attempted to deal with the Middle East problem and of course you can't resolve the Middle East problem it's a spiritual problem it's a spiritual issue it's a very complicated situation <coughs> you can on the one hand offer the hand of friendship to the Palestinians who have been neglected by their own people I mean do you really think that Mubarak wanted to help out Yasser Arafat of course not he was using Arafat to indirectly bash the Jews to indirectly bash the Americans if you took all of the wealth from the Middle East all that money that was raised or could be raised in the Middle East could alleviate poverty from the uh, Palestinian territories but they don't want to do that they want to keep the Palestinians down keep them unhappy keep them in perpetual poverty so they get more and more angry more and more suicide bombers come along kill more and more Jews cause more misery in the Middle East and that's their way indirectly of course of doing their jihad this is lost on most American presidents to be fair to Trump he understands this pretty well and of course his son-in-law an Orthodox Jew no doubt good with money and deals and uh, arrangements within arrangements uh, able to do all sorts of wonderful things in the corporate secular world but when it comes to the Old Testament it's a failure so I'm not overly critical of Donald Trump but when he uh, when he uh, meddles with the Middle East and he makes the same mistakes that Bush made Clinton made Blair made and other uh, former leaders he too will get egg on his face and I'm being polite Genesis 28 look at verse 3 if you will and God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people speaking to Jacob verse 4 and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger which God gave unto Abraham God to Abraham Abraham to Isaac Isaac to Jacob it's a continual theme the land was given from God 
first and foremost to Abraham, then it was Isaac, then it was Jacob. And God Almighty, 28.3, bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee. Increase your numbers that thou mayest be a multitude of people. Too many to count. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God, which God, which God gave unto Abraham. Go to Exodus 33 and please join me this coming Sunday when I return to the book of Exodus chapter 36. I have five chapters left uh, to do and I'm still on track I think to finish uh, the book of Exodus if you care to know by probably late March or at the very very latest early April 33 1 and the Lord said unto Moses depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swear unto Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob saying unto thy seed will I give it Deuteronomy chapter 3 I don't think Bill Clinton has ever sat down and read both testaments very carefully I don't think George W Bush has ever sat down and read both testaments very carefully I don't think Donald Trump has ever sat down and read every word in both testaments very carefully I don't believe uh, Tony Blair has ever done this I don't believe uh, Barack or Sharon or Perez or Yetanahu has ever done this and I certainly don't expect the Muslims to do this whether uh, Arafat, uh, Mubarak or Abbas why would they? I don't even expect the media to do this why would they? but they'll criticize it quick enough won't they? Deuteronomy chapter 3 Deuteronomy chapter 3 look at verse 18 and I commanded you at that time saying the Lord your God hath given you this land to possess it ye shall pass over armed before your brethren the children of Israel all that are meet for the war you can't miss it time after time God's word reiterates the land who is it for the purpose of it what he wants the people of Israel to do go to Judges uh, chapter 6 but the Jew whether Rabin Perez Olmet Sharon Netanyahu Judges chapter 6 Judges chapter 6 they're all lost lost Jews unsaved it's been said that Benjamin has daily Bible readings at his uh, office but what are they teaching him what is he reading how does he approach the Bible he rejects the New Testament he rejects Jesus <coughs> and his prayers if he does pray are not heard of course only those who are born again have their prayers heard and answered Judges 6 9 and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians 
and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land and I said unto you I am the Lord your God fear not the God of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell but ye have not but ye have not but ye have not obeyed my voice and because of that most of the children of Israel only got a portion of the land that was offered to them first of all the land was inhabited by the Gentiles pagans savages and the Lord said kick them out I have been putting up with them for centuries they have a conscience Romans chapter 2 but they are defiling their consciences they are ignoring their consciences they have no interest in seeking for the truth and therefore I will allow you the Jews to go in and eradicate them and of course the Jews will go into Canaan and surely but uh, slowly but surely start to reclaim the land for themselves Psalm 135 Psalm 135 look at verse 11 Sion king of the Amorites and Og king of Bashan and all the kingdoms of Canaan all of the kingdoms of Canaan and gave their land for an heritage and heritage unto Israel his people go to Jeremiah chapter 7 I sat down a few days ago and I counted probably 31 direct references concerning the land of Israel there are dozens more that are indirect but 31 direct references concerning Israel and the land uh, Jeremiah 7 7 then will I cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever Ezekiel 36 people say well the Jews today in Israel aren't real Jews they are fake Jews from Russia uh, from elsewhere that is a very uh, popular view held by a lot of anti-semites that's a Jesuit lie uh, the Jews would go back into the land in unbelief and after being back in the land for 70 plus years now Ezekiel 36 many are turning to Jesus uh, not as many as I would like but many are and once the uh, two witnesses arrive probably Moses and Elijah many more will turn to uh, Messiah but the majority the vast majority will reject Moses and Elijah's message turn to the Antichrist uh, receive his peace treaty from Daniel chapter 9 which almost uh, came out of the White House last week and to watch Trump clapping his hands to watch uh, Benjamin grinning uh, like a Cheshire cat like his birthday Christmas and Hanukkah had all come at once was pitiful I mean Benjamin should know better daily Bible studies we are told appreciates Bible believers around the world and we pray for you Prime Minister we pray for your country we pray for our own countries and yet you need to read the New Testament Benjamin you need to get into the New Testament you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior 
to watch these guys all clapping and applauding and uh, commending this uh, deal of the century to the world was pitiful it was a disgrace to offer parts of East Jerusalem to the Palestinians and the Americans would recognize East Jerusalem would open an embassy in East Jerusalem who do these people think they are <coughs> that land is holy land sacred land if I gave you a special wedding present just for you and your wife or your wife and your husband just for you for myself just to you it means something to me it means something to you and you said to me well I'm going to give your or we're going to give your gift to such and such a person I'll be offended I miss a wedding gift I took the time to arrange its purchase presented it to man and wife and then you say to me well we appreciate that but we're going to do what Hezekiah did for example or we're going to do what uh, Rabin Rabin was going to do or we're going to do what Sharon was prepared to do or Barak or Perez or Benjamin Netanyahu uh, would offend me and I do believe it offends the Lord God as well Ezekiel 36 28 and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God that's the plan and of course they go into the land Joshua meaning Jesus takes them in to the land Jesus takes the church into New Jerusalem Jesus as Israel's everlasting father will take the redeemed saved Jews into the new earth and during the thousand year reign while King Jesus is on the earth you've got the Jews on the new earth church in New Jerusalem but the land here is physical and for the Jew on the new earth it will also be physical uh, 28 again and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God so the land was given to them on condition they would go in fight for it claim it and of course they would Joshua like I say took the 12 tribes in and yet even though he took the 12 tribes in many of the tribes Judah being one of them was unable to fight to kick out some of the Gentiles because they had iron chariots and the tribe of Judah for the most part were not walking with Jehovah like they should do and because they weren't walking with Jehovah like they should have done failed to remove the Gentiles and that was down to them but the land was theirs the land is still theirs go to Luke chapter 20 very cold this morning very noisy this morning I do apologize a lot of uh, uh, distractions uh, from the open air pulpit zero degrees Celsius with the wind chill it's probably minus one I would imagine this is pretty typical for February this time last year uh, from memory there was snow at the open air pulpits and I think there's a, a uh, feeling of it in the air this morning uh, Luke chapter 20 Luke chapter 20 look at verse 16 he shall come 
and destroy those these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others and when they heard it they said god forbid god forbid that we will lose the vineyard a picture of our kingdom like the kingdom of heaven the thoughts of the jews losing the vineyard israel was horrific to them the jews were very proud and nationalistic nothing wrong with that of course but after centuries of ignoring their prophets ignoring their kings ignoring jehovah and after eventually rejecting the prophets of all prophets the messiah they would lose their vineyard Look at 15. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore to the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. When they heard it, they said, God forbid. So right now the Jews are back in the land. Like I say, they went back into the land 1948. And as of right now, I think there are around 7 million Jews in israel most are unsaved most are lost all those israeli premiers that i mentioned over the last 40 minutes or so on the one hand may be experts in politics economics uh, and other uh, modern uh, affairs how the world runs so on and so forth but when it comes to the scripture i don't believe any of those men are saved and that's the biggest problem of all You've got these men who read Hebrew, who speak Hebrew, who uh, can speak Aramaic, read Aramaic. I mean, Benjamin knows all about Israel's history, and I believe he does. Although he tripped over his words uh, when he was speaking about uh, one of Israel's past leaders. And he had to correct himself after tripping a few times. Uh, to be fair to him, when you... <laughs> speak to people whether it's through the open air pulpits or via the open air pulpits and of course he was nervous you understand he's speaking to the whole world and he's got the american president next to him he's got a room full of so-called scholars i mean john Hagee, that uh controversial charlatan at least he does hold to a premillennial return of the lord jesus christ and yet what was he doing there what was he doing there and other people were present some which i haven't heard of and old benjamin thought well maybe this is the final deal maybe we can do it and he turned around to donald and said you've done a great job for israel uh, israel has no closer friend than you and that's probably true and yet again they don't know the bible they don't believe what's in this book they don't know who jesus christ is they're not led by the holy ghost they are being led by their own spirits and you can do that on certain things, but not when it comes to the land of Israel. Go to Acts chapter 7. Kushner was present. And of course, Kushner is Donald Trump's uh, favorite son-in-law. A very wealthy and successful Manhattan entrepreneur. Philanthropist, I suppose. Acts chapter 7. He was able to get Ivanka to convert to Judaism, taking her back into the Old Testament, taking her back into a covenant which Jesus has abolished. Of course, she wasn't saved in the beginning, you understand. 
and yet all these great brains, Tony Blair, Middle Eastern leaders, the king of Jordan was held up as a great man and you go to these Middle Eastern countries, there's no democracy there. These are police states. Acts 7, 5. And he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him. When as yet he had no child. Stephen is speaking, and he's speaking to the Sanhedrin, Jewish leaders, like leaders today, clueless. They were political back in the days of Jesus. Today they are political. Most church leaders from the Pope down are political. Most church leaders from the Pope down don't believe in a thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's part of the problem, isn't it? They see the church, Christendom, for the most part apostate, as replacing Israel. All of your reformed Calvinist Christians, all of them, reject Christ's thousand year reign. At least Haggy, to his credit, holds to a thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's compromised in so many areas, in so many ways. John Haggy doesn't believe that the Jews need to be born again. John Haggy was uh, terrified of criticizing the Catholic Church. And yet one of his uh, books that Patrick has and uh, shared with me se uh, several years ago, he was calling for George W. Bush to bomb Iran. Took the Muslims on, but wouldn't take the Catholics on. Interesting, isn't it? Could see through the evils of Iran. And yes, Iran and Syria, Hezbollah, Hamas, all that crowd are very dangerous. The PLO, Yasser Arafat, uh, Abbas, and all the fatter groups in the Palestinian territories. All fanatical, dangerous people. And yet here's John Hagee calling those people out. And yet when it gets to the Catholic Church, when it concerns the Church of Rome, is as silent as a mouse. 7-5 uh, again. And he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised, yet he promised, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession. And to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. Go to chapter 13. One of the most pernicious doctrines is replacement theology. And you think of that text from uh, Revelation, how they are a synagogue of Satan. That gets quoted by a lot of people who are anti-Israel. But of course, that one verse from the book of Revelation is aimed at the Gentiles who thought they were Jews like the Church of Rome they hold to a placement theology Church of England holds to a placement theology all reformed Calvinists hold to a placement theology John MacArthur would be an exception of course but James White Jeff Durbin uh, Leighton Flowers and some of those other famous Calvinists that you see online all hold to a millennialism, post-millennialism, meaning there's no thousand-year reign. Whether it's a millennial or post-millennial, there's no thousand-year reign. The Jews are finished. They believe 
and they will quote that verse from uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2, synagogue of Satan, to say that the Jews in Israel today, or the Jews in general, are not Jews, and yet Paul said he wished he could be accursed if it meant his brethren, his brethren could be saved. He doesn't say they're not his brethren, he says they are his brethren. And he wished he could be accursed if it meant his brethren uh, were saved. So that's part of the problem. Going back to Augustine, Jerome, and uh, other infamous Catholics throughout the last 16 or 1700 years, taking promises from Israel, stealing promises for Israel, and saying, well, we are the people of God like forever. Israel has no future hope, which of course they do. Romans 11. And that's one of the reasons why there's been so much hostility, anti-Semitism. That's why the Jew basically has been boxed in, whether from Washington, London, or Moscow. The Jew is boxed in. The Jew wants peace. I was in Israel maybe a decade ago, and I was speaking to one of the tour guides that was driving us around Israel, beautiful country. And he said to me, an unsaved Jew, but spoke pretty good English, he said to me, we want peace. We want peace. And I thought, yes, and one day you will get the peace you want. Daniel chapter 9. But that peace will destroy you. And that peace, of course, is the Antichrist's peace. 13, 19. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. So seven or eight verses this morning showing you old testament new testaments how the land was given to the jew on the one hand unconditionally when that promise was made to abraham way back in genesis he was asleep when the lord gave adam eve he was asleep when christ died on the cross we weren't even in existence picturing the land is unconditional Eve coming from Adam, picture of the church, salvation being grace is unconditional. You receive grace through faith, not of yourselves, gift of God, so on and so forth. The land, take it, it's yours, but you've got to go in and claim it, of course, but it's all yours. It's all around you, and yet unfortunately, Jews, going back millennia, lacked the faith to go in and take the land today most jews like us say are unsaved are desperate to do a deal with the west benjamin yetanahu was uh very excited nervous naturally uh to be standing next to donald trump as the deal of the century was being announced i thought to myself this isn't gonna fly this will never fly of course we are still here the rapture has to come first and once the rapture has come maybe not straight away but shortly after i would think the rapture's been and gone then the antichrist arrives dazzles the world flatters the world donald trump just for the record cannot be the antichrist the antichrist is uh very popular loved all over the world uh, most people around the world think very little of donald trump and a lot of Americans still don't think much of him. So he can't be the Antichrist. And also the Antichrist has a lot of charisma. Is a brilliant man. Uh, 
is able to uh, handle deep uh, situations, if you will, is able to carry the world. Whereas Donald Trump is a nice guy, a colourful character, <coughs> but he doesn't have the, uh, the ability to really unite the whole world. Go to Galatians chapter 4. So Trump, if you wonder, is not the Antichrist. Uh, I remember when Obama was in the White House, people thought he would be uh, the Antichrist. And he wasn't, of course. Although he was the most critical uh, of all the presidents when it came to Christianity. I remember him, before he was the American president, uh, making that shameful uh, sermon speech mocking the word of god mocking uh the new testament the sermon on the mount trump has been very friendly to israel like i say and he's to be commended for that he's to be uh, saluted for that benjamin like i say is pro a lot of the support from christians around the world but these guys all have one thing in common on the one hand yes they are wanting to do what's right for israel and israeli premiers want help from outside but if the jew was to if the jew was to turn to jesus if the jew was to put his complete faith in jesus and trust in him completely to take care of his needs you wouldn't need help from the west galatians chapter 4 uh, look at verse 22 for it is written that abraham had two sons the one by a bondmaid that'd be hagar of course the other by a free woman, that would be Sarah, of course. 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. Hagar, Ishmael. But he of the free woman was by promise. Sarah, Isaac. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants. Now there are several covenants back in the Old Testament. I think from memory, if you include the new covenants, there are seven covenants most people think there are only two no there are seven covenants uh but here paul is looking way back into genesis again looking at two sons from one man two sons two covenants which things are an allegory for these are the two covenants the one from the mount sinai which gendereth to bondage because such a person ishmael was illegitimate was born due to Abraham's lack of faith, which is Agar, Hagar, but here it's Agar. For this Agar, Hagar, is Mount Sinai, or Sinai, in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, is in submission to Jerusalem. And yet today, Jews in Jerusalem seem to be in submission to the UN, the US, the EU, the UK, and such countries, such power blocks, have no business interfering in Israeli politics. In fact, I would say this, that most Gentiles in Israel have no business even being there. And the Church of Rome owns, physically owns, most of Israel. And that's why when the Pope said to Abbas and Perez, come to the Vatican, let's hold hands, let's pray, let's try and find a way through this, off they went to meet the Pope because technically he is the landlord of Israel it's incredible 
answereth to Jerusalem 25 which now is and is in bondage with their children or with her children most Jews in Israel most Arabs in Israel are free Arabs in Israel are able to vote are able to enjoy the fruits of living in a democratic state I may be wrong when I say this but I think most Arab Jews if not all Arab Jews are excluded from military service whereas the Jewish people in uh, Israel men and women are expected to serve in the armed forces but the uh, Arabs are not and yet bondage very appropriate for the day Palestinian territories in bondage or Syria Turkey other countries you've got Muslims that are in bondage to Muslims the slave trade is still a huge problem in the Middle East and yet we hear nothing about that imagine Trump saying we're going to sort out uh, problems in, in Saudi Arabia we're going to sort out problems in Turkey we're going to sort out problems in Kuwait or Jordan or Bahrain or the UAE we're going to sort out all of those countries problems they say get out of here it's none of your business how we conduct our affairs when it, when it comes to Israel American leaders British leaders European leaders Russian leaders can't keep the noses out of, Amer of uh, Israel's history 26 but Jerusalem which is above is free should be when uh, Tony Blair sat down with Sharon and Abbas and also uh, George W Bush a so-called born-again Christian part of the arrangement was that British and American soldiers would help police some of the uh, hotspots concerning the Jews and the Palestinians I thought at the time has he lost his mind you go back to 1918 1919 or make it 1916 right up until 1948 uh, pre Allenby's arrival in Israel and post Britain's departure from 1948 Britain was right between the Jews and the Muslims the term Palestinian incidentally doesn't exist it's a made-up word like Islamophobia like homophobia like xenophobia these are made up words racism another one made up word by mostly middle-class white people who are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ atheists Darwinists and those terms are now used all over the world every day of the week but they're not real words so for Blair to say to Bush and others let's deploy British troops and American troops into Israel would have been a disaster because Britain had to pull out 1948 America uh, wouldn't want to go back into the Middle East unless she absolutely needed to and yet that was partly accepted incredibly by Sharon and uh, Perez 2007 2008 2009 then of course uh replaced Sharon and like I say he would he, he would fall sick with cancer but Jerusalem which is above is free the eternal state the eternal city 
not Rome, but Jerusalem, city of peace, which is the mother of us all. So it's interesting. Jerusalem is a mother of us all. And yet for the church, New Jerusalem will be our eternal mother, if you will. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren, that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. We are saved due to Isaac. We are saved due to the son of Isaac. And of course, the son of Isaac is the Lord Jesus Christ. The son of Jacob is the Lord Jesus Christ. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Going back to Ishmael and uh, Isaac having conflict, causing uh, Abraham and uh, Sarah much grief. Going back also to Abraham's sinful nature. He was told, wait for Isaac. He will come, and he believed it, that uh, Isaac would come. But Sarah got impatient, she was getting older, said to Abraham, we can't wait forever, the Lord is in no rush to do anything. And uh, Abraham, unlike Job, who told his wife to be quiet, went into Hagar, Hagar, her handmaid. And of course she fell pregnant and gave him Ishmael, Ishmael was older than Isaac, Ishmael would mock Isaac, Abraham was desperate for Ishmael to be the chosen one, the seed, and the Lord said no, but I will still bless him, and I'll bless his brethren, so in a loose sort of a way, Muslims today, if Muhammad was right, and we don't even know if he lived or not, but if Muhammad was right, that he was a descendant of Ishmael, if he was right, and if he actually lived, then there is some legitimacy in the Muslims having a level of blessing. And it's interesting because the Muslims in the Middle East control all the oil. Very powerful people, and that's why the Americans and the British and others bow down to the uh, Muslims. You won't find many British, American, French, German politicians criticizing Muslims in the Middle East. They won't do it. Obama criticized Christianity back in uh, 2007 was it 2008 mocking the sermon on the mount making fun of the word of god spent years going to that church uh in chicago a racist if you want to use that term an anti-white pastor what was his name jeremiah was it jeremiah Wright? i can't remember his name but he was obama's pastor a nasty piece of work hates the whites would attack the whites. You think of someone like uh, Louis Farrakhan, hates the whites, calls the whites uh, children of Satan. Gets away with it, you see, because he's black. And yet if a white man made a, a, a remark like that because, uh, or towards black people, the press would come down on such and you'd be destroyed. 28 again. But we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. We have a claim to Jesus. We have a claim to New Jerusalem. We have a claim to sonship. 
Isaac had a claim to sonship based on Abraham of course Isaac of course all the Jews have a claim to their father Abraham contrast that to Ishmael has no claim illegitimate but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted 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 him that was born after the spirit even so it is now Trump did make one uh, decent statement and he said basically that this hatred this uh, bigotry this intolerance towards the Jews has to stop it never will stop of course uh, because the Muslims all have one uh, thing in common that one thing in common is to do their jihad they have to be victorious over the Jew Muhammad told them to be victorious over the Jew if you find a Jew behind a stone or behind a rock you are to kill such a person don't be friends uh, with those of the book Benjamin understands just very well like I say he's an expert on uh, Islamic affairs as well and there are some moderate quote-unquote Muslim countries in the Middle East that would like to deal with the more extremists it's interesting that Benjamin is quite close to uh, the current uh, crown prince in Saudi Arabia and deals have been done to try and deal with uh, Syria Thirty. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Blair doesn't care. Pope Francis doesn't care. Arafat didn't care. Abbas doesn't care. I don't even think Rabin cared, or Olmitz, or Sharon, or Perez, or Yetanahu, or any of the Israeli premiers, going right back to 1948 yes they have the old testament yes they probably read it occasionally yes they wear the skull cap yes they go to the wailing wall yes they observe national feast days in israel but what does that prove every christmas you have the leader of the palestinians it would begin with yasser arafat a muslim and the current guy uh abbas every single christmas christmas eve the uh, palestinian leaders we go to Bethlehem to celebrate Mass. Why is that? It's political. It's political. A Muslim in a Catholic church celebrating Christmas. Those pictures go all over the world. It's a picture of victory. It's a picture of uh, winning, basically. But it's also a picture of we are politicians, we want peace. And of course the world fall for it time after time what saith the scripture cast out the bondwoman and her son for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman kick her out kick out hagar the egyptian kick out arafat the egyptian kick out her seed her son ishmael kick out Arafat's seed the Palestinians but it won't happen of course one more time nevertheless what saith the scripture cast out the bondwoman and a son kick out 
Hagar and Ishmael. The land doesn't belong to them. If the Jew wants to allow Gentiles to live in the land, they do so as visitors, guests of the land. But it's not down to the Jew to give the land to anyone. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. There aren't uh, two covenants running parallel. Haggy believes that. Other apostates believe that. Jews must, must be born again. And yet, unfortunately, most uh, premillennial teachers uh, who are overly political will not tell the Jew to be born again. Go to Joshua. Joshua 1, 6. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Time after time, the promise has been made. The land is there. Go get it. And once you get it, stay in the land. Follow my covenants. They wouldn't, of course, do what I say. They wouldn't, of course, <coughs> receive my Messiah. They wouldn't, of course. And slowly but surely, they were kicked out of Israel. There's always been a remnant living in Israel. And then Paul comes along and picks up this message. How there's two boys two lines had the same father but one is free one is in bondage one is legit one is not legit one will produce uh, the ultimate seed being the messiah the christ the other one will produce the anti-seed the anti-messiah the anti-christ not the final anti-christ you understand the 12th iman that the muslims are waiting for is the anti-christ but for the jews when he finally arrives their messiah he will be the antichrist he'll be the jewish antichrist so one final time if you look at the pictures that came out of the white house week before last interesting but nothing really much built on the camp david talks back in the late 1990s with bill clinton and yet three years of intense talks with senior israeli american officials the Israeli ambassador in uh, the US, the US ambassador in Jerusalem talks in the Middle East. Maybe Tony Blair was loosely involved. He had hoped to cement the deal, get the Nobel Peace Prize. That's what these guys all want. The Nobel Peace Prize from Oslo. Try and fix the world's problems. Uh, but of course, you can't fix this problem. It's a spiritual problem. But one day, one day somebody will fix this problem. And of course, he will be the Antichrist. Daniel chapter 9 signs a covenant and breaks it in the middle. And uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, God will pour out strong delusion on those that refuse to believe the truth, but love the lie and will go on to be damned. Antichrist arrives. Revelation 13, Mark of the Beast arrives, two, perhaps three billion will take the Mark of the Beast, but before that you've got around two billion wiped off the face of the earth, and yet somehow, somewhere in that catastrophe, 
people are going to be saved. It says a great multitude will be with the Lamb from every kindred and tongue under heaven. So many things will, will uh, take place during the tribulation. We won't be here, of course, for such an awful event. But all these White House meetings, Middle East meetings, Tony Blair, Donald Trump, George W. Bush, Israeli premiers coming and going, they're all pictures. They're all uh, vain attempts to bring peace to the Middle East. And they came pretty near back under the uh, Clinton administration. The Trump administration seems to have missed the mark by a mile. A lot of people are mocking uh, his deal of the century, even while he was still speaking to the press. It was also interesting while he was speaking to the press with uh, Benjamin Yetanahu next to him, how the Palestinian president wasn't present. Interesting. They knew this wasn't going to fly. And yet after three years of intense talks, no doubt the Vatican were involved and others, they still couldn't get it off the ground. And of course, I'm happy about that because anybody who messes with the land of Israel is going to suffer terribly. Zechariah makes that very, uh, very clear. And also Joel chapter three, all the nations will be gathered in the valley of Jehoshaphat and the Lord will just destroy them all. There are certain things that the Lord will overlook, uh, but when it comes to the land, and Gentiles with uh, egos, shall we say, wanting to carve up the land. They are playing with fire. They're playing with fire and I wouldn't want to be in their shoes uh, when the judgment comes around. So I think I will leave it on that negative note. It's uh, very cold, open air pulpit this morning. Uh, a lot of fog and mist to my right. And uh, I think it's possible we could have snow, maybe the next few days we will see. But more importantly, keep praying for Jerusalem, pray for the Jews. A lot of people who say they are Christians attack the Jews. In some ways, the Jews are easy targets. Uh, and yet the real enemy, of course, is Satan, the world, the flesh, the world, the flesh and the devil. Human vanity, human pride, human ego is also the issue. All these leaders want to be successful, want to uh, go down in history as being the man of the moment, Mr. Fix-It. But you can't fix the Middle East. What the Jew really needs is Jesus. What the Arab really needs is Jesus. What the Muslim really needs is Jesus. Look at the Middle East study those countries and ask yourself this what has their god ever done for them no jewish leader will say that because jewish leaders aren't saved themselves but indirectly they are greatly blessed greatly blessed greatly beloved for their father's sakes they are in the land which was given to abraham isaac and jacob it is their land nobody has a right to carve up their land and yet look at the muslim countries all around them look at the people in those countries <coughs> most of the people in those countries have nothing they live on less than a dollar a day less than a euro a day less than a pound a day and yet if all those 
Muslim countries wanted to, they could alleviate all the suffering, not just in the Palestinian territories, but in parts of Turkey, Syria, and elsewhere. They could all come together if they wanted to and eradicate ISIS, Al-Qaeda. But of course, there's no will to do so. It suits them to leave these Islamic terrorist groups <coughs> to come against the Jews and the West in general. It's a very complicated situation. And of course, we have the answers if we believe in the Bible. But your top priests, pastors, popes, politicians, presidents, princes, don't believe. Don't believe what I read to you this morning. They don't believe these verses. They don't believe these words. They give the Bible lip service. This is the problem, isn't it? You can have a daily Bible study at the Prime Minister's office in Jerusalem or at the White House or in Downing Street, unlikely in Downing Street, but you could have it theoretically. And yet, if you don't believe the words, if you just read this book as a historical book, it won't change you, it won't touch you, it won't enlighten you. And to see Trump with Benjamin and many Jewish VIPs standing up, endorsing his deal of the century was shocking. Shocking. And apostate Protestants going online saying this is a great deal we can accept it we suggest the jews and palestinians accept it shame on you shame on you you want your moment in the limelight your five minutes of fame that's why you were there in the first place you weren't there to honor the lord jesus christ those uh leaders who were present at the white house those protestants who were present didn't give out tracts didn't witness to their jewish friends the Jew is lost without Jesus. Don't you understand that? The Jew is lost without Jesus. The Jew is loved for the sake of their fathers, but that won't save them. The Jew has to be born again. The Gentile has to be born again. The Muslim has to be born again. The president, the prime minister, princes, so on and so forth, have to be born again. <coughs> and if they're not, they are forever lost and i think i've said enough for this morning so i will sign out now and uh, encourage those of you which read the scriptures believe the scriptures to pray for israel pray for jerusalem don't become anti-israel anti the jews the jew have enough enemies as it is without you uh adding to the list of enemies if you pray for israel you will prosper you will be blessed and if you can lead a Jew to Jesus, even better. And uh, keep your eyes on Jerusalem. Keep your eyes peeled, as we say, because one day Jesus Christ will return. And he'll rapture us, praise the Lord for that. And then we come back at the end of the seven-year tribulation, when it's been an absolute nightmare on the earth. Never mind nightmare on Elm Street, nightmare on the earth bodies all over the place six months to bury the dead the jews signing up for the antichrists bill of rights mark of the beast it's going to be horrendous but it looks as of right now that the lord has stepped in and stopped this foolishness from the white house he stopped the foolishness from blair the papist back in 2007 2008 2009 he put sharon on his sick bed bush left office 
with no little, no real uh, legacy. Obama came and went, didn't really get too involved with the Middle East. And Trump will leave office in probably four or five years. And he too, apart from moving the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, will have made no real impact <coughs> on Israeli affairs, which is just as well. Support the Jew, stand with the Jew, pray for Israel, support Israel, but don't get involved with the land. Never get involved in the land, keep your hands off the land, keep your feet out of the land unless you are invited there. And one last time, witness to the Jew, tell the Jew about Jesus, get the gospel out. You may say, I'm going to stand with Israel politically, I'm going to send money to Israel, I'm going to do this or that, I'm going to pray for the IDF. That's all very well and good. But are you witnessing to the Jews? Are you sharing the gospel with the Jews? If you're not, you're no help to the Jew. The Jew is lost without Jesus. Unless you believe I am he, you will die in your sins. You better repent. Receive me, believe on me, he said. Unless you believe I am, Exodus chapter 3, I am he the Messiah, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. And I'll keep saying that until the day I die. We love you, if you are a Jew. We love Israel, we love Jerusalem, we pray for you. We stand with you. We have no interest in Gentiles, whether British or American or Middle Eastern coming together, or the Pope, the ringleader, getting involved, bullying Israel. We have no interest in those people. But what we really want is for you, our Jewish friends, to be born again to know Jesus Christ, your Messiah, your Saviour, your everlasting Father. And I hope one day you will and get born again. And on that statement, I will sign out from a very foggy and misty open-air pulpit. The fog is slightly lifting, I can see, but it's still bitterly cold. And I'm going to sign out now and wish you every blessing, peace and joy in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.